thank you for those who have been here all night. It means the rest of us get the benefits with no effort. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm keeping my distance. Um, I think I'm at a constant state of sleep deprivation, so I thought a full night of no sleep is too much. So I chose to stay in my bed, and I had five hours sleep between the kids waking me up. Um, so I probably would have got more sleep here if I'd come here. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, I would have. You didn't. Okay. Um, John, do you want to show my video clip? I'll start with that. It's in Finnish, if there's any words, but you don't have to understand the words, you just need to look at the animals. The bird there is the sign of spring. When you hear titi-tu, titi-tu, you know spring is coming. And that's the Finnish dairy company in the end, getting some advertising in a country where you can't buy their products. <laughs> and why I showed the cows um, is because it talks about cows in Malachi. It talks, um, I can even read you out the verse if I can find it. <laughs> but for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves relieves from the stall. So that's why I showed you pictures of cows leaping out. Um, and I guess if you just get the picture in your head, the cows they've been in Finland, they would be in the... <coughs> it's not stable, is it, where cows live? Barn. Navetta, um, where they live all winter. So they would have been from about October to May. Um, they would have been inside eating dry grass and just being nice and cozy and warm, but inside, contained. And then the beginning of May comes and the snow has melted and they open the barn doors and the cows are let out. And normally, if you picture a cow in a the field, they're quite sedate, they're just sitting there, chewing their grass, and just not really doing much. Whereas when they're first released, they're actually full of life, they're leaping, they're jumping, and this is something about the energy of being released. Um, and it's kind of, the film there is from Helsinki, would you believe it? It's the capital of Finland. 
um, where all the big kind of they got big farm. There's kind of agricultural you know, universities, agri department of agriculture. They got model farm, um, and it's become the thing that the kind of city people go and see the cows being released um, in the first weekend of May. So if you're ever in Helsinki, first weekend of May, you know where to go now. Um, and so now we take the step back, and if you think you're one of the cows, you've been in your stable or barn all winter, in your little kind of thing that keeps you in place, eating tri-cross, and then somebody comes and opens the door and lets you out, and suddenly you can see the sunshine, you can see the open fields, and there's green grass. And there's just such a shift from where you were to where you now are. And that's the journey in Joel and Malachi, the prophet is talking about that God wants to take the nation of Israel on, and God wants to take us on. He wants to take us from the barn, I keep on to call it stable, but he wants to take us from the barn where we're just eating the grass that had been dried up and kind of the nice farmer has provided us with. But it's basically dead food, isn't it? It's kind of not very exciting. He wants to move us from that place to a place where there's a living food, there's nourishment, there's sunshine, there's fresh air. And there's a side of me that kind of, it's so nice to just focus on the nice grassy part where the sun shines and everything looks good. Whereas actually there's a journey to get to that point. Um, Elisa very kindly did a pretty picture that was on social media for the series. Um, and for mine, it was kind of fire and water, and it looks beautiful. But then I jokingly said to her, you could just do one of locusts and cows. Um, because in Joel, the whole thing is the locusts come, and they eat, devour everything, and there's nothing left. Um, and then God comes and turns it around, and there's a harvest again, and there's plenty, there's kind of blessing and fullness again. And but I think we have a tendency, I guess I've been brought up in Pentecostal, and so we have a tendency just to focus on a green cross and the excitement without thinking about the period before that. Um, and as I've been reading Malachi and Joel, um, I'm trying to cram two books into one sermon, so then the best, if you take anything home, is just go home and read these books, because they're just incredible. Um, so I'll give you a kind of little invitation to what they're about. But there's actually so much about the journey to the point of the abundance. Um, and if you read the prayer emails that came through this week for Thy Kingdom Come, um, day five, day six, it had the scripture from Joel um, that Peter uses in his sermon in Acts about how he will pour out his spirit on all people. Young men will dream dreams, old men will see visions and beautifully paraphrased version. But I don't know how many of you noticed the two words in the very beginning of the verse. And afterwards. So that implies there's, before that happens, there's a whole something that has to take place for the outpouring to come. And as I've been reading these books, I just really feel that there's a journey God wants to take us on. Um, 
is three R's. So there's repentance, restoration, and renewal. And you can't just jump straight into renewal. You need the first two steps for the renewal to be really powerful and effective. Um, and the image I had was um, a couple of years ago, David dug drainage ditches in our garden because it was just the ground was completely soggy. But what you do is you have this pipe that is perforated, so it's just full of holes on one side, isn't it? And the other side is solid, I think. <laughs> uh, I, d I didn't really pay too much attention, <laughs> and I just saw him digging, and, um, and then the water level has gone down, and my grass is nice and dry. Um, but the pipe has holes in it. So if you, if you try to get water from this corner to this corner, we couldn't use the pipe because it would, the water would just leak out of the pipe before it gets to this side. Um, and the image I had of the whole process was God coming and filling up all the holes in our pipe so that when he pours water in this corner, it will go into that corner where he wants it to go. Whereas otherwise we are like sieve, just leaking everywhere. Whereas God actually, he has a purpose for us. He doesn't just want us to be kind of leaking vessels, just splashing everywhere. What he wants us to do is to be whole vessels that he can direct and use us to take the blessing to places. And this is so much in, in here that you could kind of, I probably should have just done a whole series on a book of the Minor Prophets because there's so much in there. But starting with the repentance, which is the cheerful topic and everybody goes, yay, it's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. In Joel 2.13, there's a lovely, lovely scripture that I think Nick almost kind of paraphrased it earlier, or the essence of it. Rent your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity is rent your heart, not your garments. And Annie had the word about surgery. It's the insides that he's interested in, it's not the outside. Um, and I had an in interesting conversation at work this week. Somebody had been made professor. And she was kind of, I just keep going around thinking people are going to find out that I'm not what they think I am. Um, and there's quite a big thing in academia called the imposter syndrome, you kind of think. You're just not it. Kind of people see the inside of you. You realise the label they've given you on the outside doesn't match what's the inside. Um, and I think as Christians, we kind of do a bit similar sometimes. We can focus too much on the outside and doing the right things and looking good on the outside. Whereas actually, do we really pay attention to what's on the inside? Do we honour each other for what is inside of us? It's so easy to focus on the amazing worship band and the amazing worship they did. But actually, do we focus on the fact that they've spent hours in prayer before they come, seeking God, repenting of the bad attitude they might have had during the week, or something like that? 
Whereas it's so focused on the external, whereas God is saying he's interested in our hearts. And there's a kind of, it's a challenge for us because I think part of church is there's so many things that are, there are things that you do and it's very easy to focus on those. But how do we focus on the inside? How do we focus on the heart? How do we encourage each other to focus on our hearts and create the safe place where we can actually open our hearts and let God come in and bring healing to that? And in Hebrew, the word repentance, it actually has kind of comes from two words, if I've understood, cor- understood correctly. I can attempt to pronounce them. Uh, one of them is shuf, which means to return. And the other one is nacham, which is to feel sorrow. And when God is calling us to repentance, there is something that goes into our heart, but he also causes us to act. It causes us to shift and turn around and change what we're doing. And in uh, the verse before in Joel, it talks about uh, um, verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. So it's not just a little bit of our hearts, he's interested in all of our hearts. And he's actually not afraid of the messy process. That there will be snot and there will be tears. But he's more interested in the fact that we do make the radical turn and shift from where we were going to where he wants us to go. And as part of both uh, Malachi and Joel, there's a kind of a real call for the whole nation to come together and cry to God, return to God. Because um, I think in, in uh, one of the verses, it even talks about kind of, it was the elders and children and breastfed babies. So it was the whole kind of, uh, I had a vision of kind of the elders and the babies and boobs. Um, <laughs> coming to call to God. But then there is kind of, I think we like to keep the process very nice and tidy and kind of clean, whereas actually, if you're serious about repentance, saying to God, actually, your way is so much better than our way, it doesn't look kind of pretty with smiley faces, hands up in the air, it will be messy, but it's for everybody. It is for little ones, and it is for the tiny ones. And it is for the oldest, it's for everybody. But there was a kind of, as I was reading the verses, there's a collective aspect that God was calling the whole nation. And I guess that's part of the kind of, with the prophets, they were the ones who responded to the call, whereas God wanted the whole nation to come and respond. Um, and it's the same for us as a church, it's not just Alan or Nick, or it's all of us that God is calling us to stand up and turn around and be willing for him to come and deal with our heart issues so that when we move on to the next stage of restoration and renewal, as a church, we are able to carry what he gives to us. And there's a kind of, there's a strength that comes from 
the collective aspect. Um, and as a society, we are very individualistic, aren't we? We don't really know how to do community. We might have few close friends that we have a kind of small community with, but I think there's something that we've lost about community, and it's been amazing to see the um, D-Day landing commemorations, how there was... Um, I was reading a news story of a vi uh, village in France where they kind of interviewed both a soldier who'd been one of the people who landed there and then one of the local residents. And there was a, a sense that they're kind of, they were from two different kind of... One was the one who was being rescued and one, one was the one who was rescuing. But there was a sense of community they had and together togetherness. Um, and I guess for us, we have been called to bring change to this town, to this region. But I think at the moment we are kind of us and them. I think we're... Maybe I'm just preaching the converted and it's just me who needs to preach. But I think it's very easy to think the outside is kind of, they need our help and kind of... Whereas actually we all need help. We're all in this mess together. There is one God and there's one planet that needs rescuing. And we are the people he's going to use. There's nobody else. Unless there's some random alien life form somewhere hiding. Um, I blame that on a lack of sleep. <laughs> but actually, once we're ready to admit and say to God that we want to return to you with all our hearts, then he wants to take us on a journey. And if you read through Joel, the locusts are quite impressive. They literally destroy everything. Um, and if you've ever seen a nature program where locusts have done that, it's quite impressive. You can see this amazing, I think they've done kind of, when they do the fast shots where kind of they speed up the time, you can see this really lush green scenery and the locusts come. And what is left is the tree trunks and stones. There's not even a plate of grass left. So that's the situation that had happened in the nation. And it was physically, it's kind of quite often when you read the prophets, you kind of think, oh, it's just figurative speech. But actually, the locusts had been and eaten everything. And it really kind of made me think that I think in our minds, we quite often think the challenges that we've faced, they're just kind of battles in the spirit. And there is a sign that that's right, because we know the battle is not against flesh and blood. But what does he use? What did enemy use with Job? He took away things that were natural. His wealth, his family, his health, they all got taken away to find out whether he still trusted God or not. So uh, there's part of me that's kind of be hesitant with the process of being saying yes to God and being willing to say that all I have is yours. Because it could be that everything is taken away from me. And quite a few of the songs that we sung this morning, they were about fire. And if you think of a wildfire, it comes along and it burns everything that can be burnt. And there's not much that's left afterwards. So when we're saying yes to God, when we're singing these songs, that's what we're saying. 
God, just come and strip away everything that is not from you and just leave what is good in me. And it's a scary, scary thought. Because I think there's so many times I know it's very easy to trust my own abilities rather than trust God. Whereas when you're saying, come and strip away what is not from you, I might actually turn out to be not so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You should have laughed, darling. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I guess I really want you to capture the seriousness when we say, God, have your way with us. Holy Spirit, come. What we are really saying is come and burn away my defenses, the things that I've trusted, the things that prop me up and make me look good and make me completely reliant on you. And if you're willing to say yes, there's a purification that comes. He comes and does take away all the rubbish. And what is left is so much better than what was before. But it's a scary thing letting go of the things that you know and you trust. But if you don't do that, then there won't be good growth. There will be some growth, but there's also stuff left that can cause weeds to grow. Um, having worked with lab scientists for quite a few years now, I've learned kind of random things about the process. But one of the things that I've kind of learned is how important it is to go through the process of cleaning purification, sterilizing. You can have a series of experiments, but if you haven't done the cleaning well in the beginning, all the effort is wasted. They put all the right ingredients in, the dishes are the same, but if they haven't been cleaned properly, the experiment won't work. And that's the same with us. If we don't go through the process of cleaning, purification in the beginning, he can put all the good stuff in, but it won't have the maximum impact. Stuff will still grow, but it's not the things that you want to grow, or not the fullness of the things that you want to grow. And it's kind of, it's very easy to kind of make things sound kind of all spiritual. Whereas actually, the process of purification is this daily thing, it's a step by step. Just being willing to yield to God and say, I trust you. <coughs> and when we pray, come and have your way with us. It means being willing to be open to him. So when I do lose my temper with the kids, being able to repent. Obviously, my kids don't do that, they're perfect. Um, But (laughs) if they did, 
<laughs> Especially, yes. And I think God has created her for a reason. And one of them is my purification. Um, it's lovely. Brian thinks it definitely. I have learned a lot about myself through her. But then I think that's with everything. There is always an opportunity. It's an always an invitation. And you can kind of... Well, yesterday, uh, in the mornings, he was kind of... Had, he had the cereal giant. We got sensibly cereal in class jars, as you do with little kids. Um, and she so had the lids off, and she so had her hand in there, and I was, I was on the other side of the room, and Felix was in the middle, so I couldn't even leap. So then I, I said, Elsie, no. No reaction. And I said, Elsie, no. Again, no reaction. And I tried third time, and it got to a point where I literally shouted her name, and then she kind of looked up and kind of, what's going on? But yeah, it was a moment for me to find out what was inside of me, and it was kind of definitely frustration. <laughs> <laughs> rather than peace and joy that was flowing out of me at that moment. <laughs> but she did stop. But then I did say, oh, mommy shouldn't have shouted at you. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so uh, have I sold the picture to you? Sounds good, doesn't it? Being a mess, admitting that you can't do it. But the wonderful thing is with good God, who is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and quick in love. And he's the one who's got our back. So when we fall short, he's there to pick us up. And he wants to take us through a process of restoration. And it's kind of one of the things when you read through the Minor Prophets, there's actually there's so many verses out of them that we just flippantly use as Christians without knowing where they come from. Because as I was reading, I was, oh, I didn't realize that came from there. I'd completely forgotten. But how many times have you prayed for somebody, for God to come and restore the years the locust had stolen? Joel, that's where it comes from. Healing in his wings, Malachi. And there's so many things that we just happily pray without actually remembering where they come from. So that was a real reminder to me. Another one was, let the weakling say I am strong. That's from there as well. Um, getting sidetracked with my excitement about minor prophets. Um, so if you're willing to say yes to God, if you say to him, I'm happy to do 180 and come back to you, he will take us on a journey of restoration and bring us into renewal. And it's a process of bringing back to the original, the intended, what he created us to be. Bringing me back to who I am in Christ. What is my identity? Bringing us back to the truth of who God is. And the thing is, he's jealous for us. He's not one of these kind of passive fathers. He's a very, very active father who's jealous for your affection for him. He wants the best for you. And in Malachi, in the beginning, he's kind of, there's a frustration of people have doubted my covenant love. 
how do they not see that I love them? And kind of one of the things, kind of with the prophets, it would be so easy to focus on kind of obviously there were things going on in the nation. So with the Sabbath was broken, they were marrying all the heathens and priests were corrupt, eating all the best bits before giving them the gods. People weren't tithing. So there was loads of kind of very practical things that was going on. But actually, I think God was upset about the practical things, but what really upset was the fact that people's hearts were turning away from him. And those other things come as a consequence of our hearts being turned away. And part of me, when I was reading, is I was kind of thinking, actually, the issues that they're kind of going through, they weren't that different than we have now. And the root cause is still the same. Our hearts are not after the heart of God. or we are kind of partly one foot in and one foot out. Whereas he wants us all in. And it was also, the Malachi especially, is almost a call for us to go into battle and stand up for our restoration. Stand up to see the land being renewed. because there's a wonderful scripture about plowshares being turned into swords. And it's kind of, there is a side though, as a Christian, we often think actually kind of, we just need to be kind and loving and lovely. But it's actually, there is a side that we need to stand up. And we need to act. And I think as kind of church in the past, we've been too busy taking our action into words, bringing judgment on people, saying you shouldn't do that. Whereas actually, the action, what God really wants, I believe, is to show his love practically. To be God to people. Bring his joy, bring his patience, whatever is needed in the situation, be the one who brings them into it. And I had this week, I had a conversation at work with um, a couple of people. And there is a, it made me sound like I'd never talk to people, doesn't it? <laughs> this one time I had a conversation. Um, but we had a, we've had, uh, clinical exams on this week, so it's literally, we are in a room, nine till five, we've got half an hour for lunch. Um, <coughs> it's quite full on. But the lovely part about it was actually we all had lunch together because normally we are teaching different times, we've got meetings here and there, so we don't rarely get an opportunity to have lunch together, so we're all sitting down having lunch together. And we got onto the topic of church and religion. Um, and there's I think the thing that really puts people off is a judgment. They just feel judged. They use the term religion, but to me, that's the same than church. In, in when they use the word religion, what they really mean is church. And there's where they feel so judged that you can't come in and just be who you are, that there's a judgment for the way they are, for what they do. And it wasn't just Christians, it was the girl who was a Muslim as well. She was saying the same, she doesn't want to go to the mosque because that's the attitude. 
is that you don't measure up, you're not good enough, you're doing this wrong. Um, and I, I tried to put in my two pennies worth of, I think, kind of, it's kind of us trying to be loving and kind of... But the problem was there was such an experience of being judged by church that with that people shut out God as well. And it really had me kind of challenged because I guess I've grown up in a church tradition that because looking back, the early years might have been quite judgmental because earrings were devil from the devil and all sorts of things. Um, but that was kind of back and beyond Lapland where kind of not many things happen anyway, <laughs> apart from man in red coat and white beard. Um, so I guess for me it was quite challenging to hear because I guess I, I'd always considered the church I've been in to be loving and not to be judgmental and then to hear people say that actually that's what it is and I guess part of it I, maybe I'm just kind of plinkered in my little world of la la land where everything is happy um, but it really challenged me to think how do we when we talk about loving people when we, want, when we pray that the Holy Spirit come send your revival but if that's the expectation people outside have how do we change their expectation? And the only answer I've got is, is for us as a church, being willing to go through the process of repentance, restoration, and renewal, and walking it out day by day. So when we meet people, they actually start to think, ah, oh, she goes to church. Maybe she's not like the other people. Maybe her church is different. And I, I guess for me, the kind of thing is because there's so many good things churches do. But I think we almost sometimes we're in our little bubble thinking we're doing all these amazing things, whereas actually the people are out there and they're hurting and they need us. But we are, maybe we are the leaking vessels. If you imagine the pipe coming here and the water is just kind of leaking out before it gets to the point where it needs to be. Very, very cheerful, aren't I, this morning? <laughs> what I meant is an amazing, it's Pentecost. Holy, Sp Holy Spirit is here, and that's the wonderful thing. And I guess that that's the thing, and afterwards. So I. I guess I just really felt tension because it is a Pentecost Sunday and Holy Spirit is wonderful. And we could just so easily just have a wonderful morning in the presence of God and then go home and just be the same. Where we have Holy Spirit in our little bubble and the world outside is not being impacted by it. And there's wonderful scriptures about autumn rains, righteousness, abundance in spring rains and autumn rains coming for us. But for that to happen, we need to be willing to say the process, yes to the process before. Because otherwise, we'll have a wonderful Sunday morning, we are refreshed by the Holy Spirit. But then by Monday morning, when Elsie goes for the cereal box again, I'm just back to shouting, and it's not really working out for me. 
nor rest of the family, but. <laughs> and the wonderful promise is that the scripture in Joel and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So when you think of this scripture in the context, it's a nation that has gone through complete devastation. Cried out to God. He has sent the spring rains. The harvest are back. And then he will pour out his spirit on all people. And that's the wonderful promise that is all people. If we think back early on in the Old Testament, if you, the Numbers, I think it's 12.6, it's talking about um, Moses having encounters with God. And in the verse, it was, it was just the prophets who had encounters. It wasn't all people. Whereas here is an invitation, it's all people. It's not just a select few who have the anointing. God's heart is to pour out his presence on all people, young, old, male, female, everybody. And that's the exciting part. <laughs> Maybe I'll just read this out. The problem is there's so many, so many wonderful scriptures. But I guess that was what I really want you to capture, that he's giving you an invitation to say yes to him. And if you're willing to go through the process, there is such a wonderful blessing and reward for all of us that he will pour out his spirit. I'll read out from Joel. if you close your eyes and deep breath breath in, breath out, relax be not afraid O land be glad and rejoice surely the Lord, Lord has done great things be not afraid, O wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord of your God, for he has given you 
the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grains. The vats will overflow with new vine, wine and oil. <laughs> I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts, and the locust swarm, just in case there wasn't enough already. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For, for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So that's the wonderful blessing and promise that is there for us if we're willing to say yes. To walking through the process of repentance, restoration, and renewal. So now, if you think back to the cows, those cows have been through the process of repentance and restoration, and they're just going for their renewal. They're going for the green cross after being shut in the barn for a whole winter. And thus, God's promise for you is that you'll be a leaping cow <laughs> going after the green cross that's growing outside that is so much better than the dry grass or hay, I guess, technically, that you have been eating in your barn all winter. So, if you ever get despondent, just Google cows in the field sleeping and just think that that's because if you normally cows are just boring and chewing grass, whereas actually God has called you to be a cow, leaping on a field in abandon, not worrying about anything. So on that very official picture, I'll hand back over to Nick.